0: Welcome back to another episode of Return on Character podcast with me, Dan Cooper, the founder and CEO of Return on Character Investments, where we invest in CEOs in public markets based on our evaluation of the character of the public company CEOs. Today, I am honored and thrilled to have my friend, my good friend, Ryan Hall with us on the show. Ryan, I'm just going to give you a flavor. I'm not going to go... I mean, I could go on and on about Ryan, but I'm, I'm going to borrow from the Men's Journey journal article where he talks about Ryan yeah. is one of the country's greatest endurance uh, athletes, holding the record for the fastest marathon at two hours and four minutes and 58 seconds, which is set at Boston, and the half mar- marathon record at 49 minutes, 0.43 seconds. He, okay. and he also, he retired in 2016 in his mid thirties. Um, and he's also this, a uh, two time, oh, wow. two time an Olympian and in re in the recent, to get, to give people a flavor for what he's doing today. I'm going descri- to, I'm going to read a description of his, one of his, his little, uh, exercise routines or escapades. In October, he split a quart of wood before running to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, where he filled two giant jugs of water, 62 pounds each, and Farmer carried them back up the rim, gaining 5,000 feet of elevation in the process. Hall says (laughs) splitting wood took longer than he thought, but it was the Farmer carry back up the Grand Canyon that proved to be the most difficult Ryan, you're uh, you're you're one of the most interesting men in the world I've ever had a privilege of knowing. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come and talk. Um, and yeah. and thanks
1: for being who you are. Yeah, stoked to have this conversation with you, Dan. You know, you know, I love chatting with you. i try to limit the amount of laughing that I do because usually our conversations are full of laughter and. You know, we'll we'll try and keep it a little bit more serious this time.
0: Around. <laughs> Ryan and I, one of the men's health, one of the things that the men's health article failed to mention, Ryan, was one of your other big uh, accomplishments, and that was climbing Mount Rainier with Dan Cooper. I don't know, you don't seem to mention that very often, uh, but that was one thing that you and I got to do together, which was so fun. Uh, I don't recommend. You know, climbing a mountain with one of the fastest marathoners in the world because it makes you feel grossly inadequate. But if it wasn't for your personality, your kindness, your positive attitude all the time, you know, it would have been off, but, uh, but it was terrific. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, yeah. thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. You invited me on that trip. I wanted to, I wanted to start with something kind of positive, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, you've obviously had a, a pretty extraordinary career professionally uh, as a running athlete. Um, and what would you, what would you say is, is, your, is the best memory from your running career? In other words, if you had to look back on the whole season, starting from, from the time you, you ran around the lake with your dad and kind of first got the idea of being a professional
1: running to the time you retired... What was the best memory? What was the best part of it? Man, there's there's so many good memories. Also, a ton of bad memories. Probably more, a lot more bad memories than good memories. But still, I mean, that's, that's how it is on the journey to doing anything special. You know, like there's going to be probably a lot more rough moments than there are good moments. Um, but for me, probably that moment that uh, was the sweetest for me during my career was... Uh, Running 59-43 at Houston in that half marathon um, just because that was the day when I really feel like that was me at my best, right? And, like, that's really all you want as an athlete. You want to be able to train, prepare, so that you can see what your body's capable of doing, you know? And that was the day when I was like, man… My body had never clicked like that before. And honestly, it never clicked like that quite afterwards either. It's a little bit of a mystery, you know, it's like we, we're all scientific in our approach to training and you know, you're building your, your training plans around years and years of research and science and, um, other people experimenting with their training and the principles they learned and you're building everything, trying to make it so that on the one day you want to be on, you are on. But there's still like an element of mystery to it where some days you're just not on. Um, but that day in Houston is just like one of those effortless races where everything was clicking, was feeling like a million bucks and just feeling like I could just run forever at those speeds. You know, I was running like 433 per mile and it just felt the sensation of it is what I miss the most. You know, um, the sensation of floating along those kind of paces is. It's very hard to describe and it's addicting and you want to experience it over and over again. So then in some ways, like those good races can even come back to haunt you. Cause so you're like, why can't I experience that again? Like, what was it? How did my body click like that, that day? Like, and you're trying to constantly figure out how to get back there. Um, but that's, that's what it means to be an endurance athlete is like, you're going to have one day where it's just. For whatever reason a lot better than all the other days and rather than like over analysis and over looking at that you know and trying to figure out how to get back there it, it's kind of better to just like appreciate it for what it was you know it's being like man that was that was a beautiful experience and um one that you know if i could relive a day over and over again um that would be you know in the top 10 for sure that was a good day has has that record been broken yet in america not yet, uh, which is kind of surprising because, you know, uh, people might not be aware, but they came out with new shoe technology and as uh, 2016 is kind of when it started. Um, and then we start putting carbon plates in shoes and really were working with a different kind of cushioning mechanisms. And it really changed the game of distance running. And so now guys are running way, way faster um, than like pre shoe, for example. Um, Pre carbon plated shoe. I believe the world record in the marathon was like two oh three something or other, and now it's like two oh one low. So it's taken a couple minutes off with the marathon times, about a minute off half marathon times. So it's a it's a real real advantage, you know. Um, But to answer your question, no, no one's no one's gotten that one yet. But um, you know, and I want now I'm coaching, so I want to I want to coach guys to break that now like. I never set that record, hoping to hold on to it for a while. You set a record, hoping that's going to inspire people to believe they can do the same thing and then, you know, they're supposed to take it higher than I took it and further. Just on that, when you were running that, that
0: race, did you know you were on target for doing something special that day?
1: Did you just feel it? Or was it a surprise when you kind of came across the line? You know, I could I could tell in the training leading up to it, I was doing workouts up in Mammoth Lakes where I was training, where I was telling my coach about him because he wasn't always there. And uh, he was like, are you sure those were right times? Because, like, it seems like that's really fat, you know? And it was just coming. And that's something that I've learned a lot about life and sports. It's, like, much easier when you just flow with the river rather than trying to fight against it, you know? And I think in distance running, endurance sports, There's this thing of like, oh, you got to train really hard. You got to force your body to do what you want to do. But I found it's kind of the opposite. It's like when things are really clicking, you're not working harder for it. You're not trying harder. That's not why you're running faster. Your body's just absorbing the work. And it's almost like you're partnering with your body. And you can just feel it getting stronger and stronger week after week. And that was the sensation leading up to this race. I was like, man, I'm training so hard right now. But my body's just absorbing it. And I'm just seeing such growth from week to week. So like, I remember going for even my pre-race run, um, like the day before the race, we jog 30 minutes and do some strides. And I felt like I was like Tigger, like just so bouncy. I felt like I could not, I just had like springs in my legs. So like, I knew, I knew that warming up. And then the first mile of the race, I knew it. I was by myself pretty much the whole race too. Didn't have any other guys to run with which is usually not helpful. Usually you want guys to run with to help push you along. But that day, like it didn't matter. Like my body was just firing on all cylinders, feeling like a million bucks. So those are the days where you're like, man, like I got it. You know, I really, and I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to experience that because not everyone does. Not everyone gets everything out of their body that they're capable of. Um, So it was a real, real honor to get to have that experience. And um, what was really cool about it too is my whole family is on the lead vehicle so they have a lead vehicle right out in front of us it's like showing us the course so my parents were on there Sarah was on there my coach was on there and so they were all just watching this unfold you know and they were really the only ones who got to see the whole race actually i think they did get a video of it. it is like right when flow track was just starting up and right when they're starting to like actually capture footage of guys running And that was, I think, one of Flow Track's first videos. You still might be able to catch it like on YouTube or whatever, but it was really cool because I'm running and I'm in this flow state, just like feeling amazing. And then I'm just staring at my family, the whole race, which has never happened. Never happened before that. Never happened after that. But that day, like I was, I got to share that performance with the people who had helped me so much behind the scenes, you know, because it's me out there running and getting to enjoy this experience. Um, but so many people play into that experience. Like, I don't, I don't do what I did that day without the coaching that I had, without the support of my wife, Sarah, without the support of my parents coming up in the sports, like it, it was not just me out there. Um, so it was really cool to get to experience that with them. So now on the flip side, tell me about the time when
0: it was the most challenging in your career, a moment or a season that was just really, really difficult and how
1: you got through it. Yeah. I mean, probably the opposite of that was at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, um, going into that race, I'd run really well at the London marathon, April before the summer games. And so I was really going after a medal. Like I was one of the best marathoners in the world at the time. And so I really did have a chance at getting a medal. And I knew that, and that just made me excited, you know? And I was hoping that I'd catch one of those Houston days where I'm just feeling where it's just all clicking. Cause honestly, like that's what it's always been about for me. It's not about me versus this person, it's about me maximizing my potential. Like that's way more important to me than what place I am or even what my time is. I just want to know that my body got everything out of itself that it possibly could that day. And see what it's capable of doing, you know? Like, take it to the to the edge and take it to the limit. See what I can do. So that's what I was hoping for in Beijing, that I'd just be on and firing. Um, but very early on in that race, it was clear, like, that all those sensation I was having in Houston, floating, having it feel easy, feeling like I could run forever, is pretty much, like, the opposite of that. Like, the pace felt hard from the beginning, felt fast. I was back in, like, 50th place, not running well. And it was just like struggle after struggle after struggle. It was hot and humid there, which I'm not great in those conditions typically. So there was just all these like cascading negative things that were playing out during the first half of the race. And really that kind of switched for me like halfway through, um, you know, as I began like praying and talking to God and just like, really, I was just venting my frustrations to God, you know, it's being like, well, this is so frustrating. Why? on this day when I want to have my best stuff, am I having like a C, C, or even like a D day, you know, like just not not having a good day at all. And just I was just meditating with him and I felt like he just kind of encouraged me to start um, talking to the people around me and start encouraging the people around me, which isn't usual uh, etiquette in marathon running. Usually you're, if you're talking to anyone, you might be talking to your teammate or something like that, but guys aren't out there like, telling each other good job you know (laughs) like they're trying to like how do I break this guy that's with me I want to like break his spirit you know um but I feel like I'm kind of encouraging me to do the opposite of that like start encouraging people and what was cool about that is no well first off I didn't feel like doing that that was the last thing I felt like doing like anytime I'm throwing a pity party I'm just I'm thinking about myself all the time right so like being forced to think about other people and encourage other people when I'm like down on myself i was like i do not feel like doing this so but if there's anything i've learned about um faith in god is that when he asks you to do something it's like for your own it's for your own best interest right um so i just started doing it i just started to like I'd catch a guy and be like hey man good job let's work together let's try and catch this group up in front of us or whatever and just just say a few encouraging words it wasn't a ton we were not having like full conversations out there but just trying to encourage guys as much as I could. And as I did that, what it did, it allowed me to get outside of myself and outside outside of my own suffering. Because when you're suffering, anytime you're in pain, it's very hard to think about anything else but the suffering that you're undergoing, what you're going
0: but through. But Ryan, you were you experiencing a physical problem, right, at this
1: time? What was going on in your body? So basically just fatigue i didn't have like any injury issues i did uh fast forward like london olympics i had some injury issues that i had to drop out from but in this one like this was just like general like what you would expect to be like just battling like the pain cave you know like lungs on fire legs burning like but nothing no like specific injury problems going on it was just I was just struggling physically and that was causing me to struggle mentally. And then it causes this whole chain of events, you know? Um, but like I said, after I started encouraging people, I was getting outside myself, now my focus wasn't on my own pain and suffering. My focus was on how do I help other people around me and how do I encourage other guys and it took me, I wasn't worried about getting a medal anymore. You know, I was like, let me just like enjoy this experience and help the people around me. And then things started to click better. I started running better, started catching more guys and then ended up running like actually a fairly decent race. You know, I didn't finish on the podium. I finished in 10th place. And at the time I was like, 10th, that's the worst. Like, you know, I wasn't happy with it at all. But looking back on now, I'm really proud of that experience, um, because it taught me so much about how to respond to my own suffering and my own disappointment and how easy it is to turn your own suffering and disappointments all inward when really like we're here we're on this earth not just to have our own experience but to have a shared experience with other people and how can i encourage and love other people and be a part of something even bigger than myself um was you know a lesson a life lesson that i take with me to this day and i wouldn't trade for anything in the world but did you take on that frame
0: of looking at things like two weeks after you go through a series of depression and discouragement and venting and you re- reflect back how how do you get your brain back there because to me what's so fascinating about an elite athlete especially an individual athlete is that the only person that you can really blame on the situation is kind of yourself right you can't blame it on your teammates or anything and so the pressure post a discouragement has got to be it's just got to be overwhelming at times. How do you mentally deal with that? How do you recover? Do you give yourself grace to feel bad for a period of time and then come around? How, how, do you, how have you done that? Because I'm sure the Olympics was not the only time, right? I'm sure there were times when you were at Stanford running or other scenarios. What's the process of kind of picking your, your mental game up after discouragement and continuing to move forward? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, there's a, this verse in the Bible that I really like that I, I hold on to a lot uh, when I'm going through tough stuff and, and just in general and talks about um, to guard your thoughts because out of your thoughts flows like the wellsprings of life, you know? And so I'm reminded by that, that like, it's not a one time event, you know, it's like I had that experience in the games and it was very freeing and very helpful for me. But then like, yeah, like, like right after that, I was all down and depressed and I had to take a break from training, which is always a hard time for me because I like to train. And so I did, I went through kind of like a dark time after that, but that's because like what you experience once has to be reinforced over and over and over again, similar to a distance running. It's like, it's not enough in training. I can't just train like two days a week and do what I want to do. Like It has to be repeated over and over every single day or six days a week. Like That's how training works. And it's the same thing with our mind. It's like we might have this freeing thought or this freeing experience like I had in the games, but then it's like, okay, now I need to put this into practice and be reminded of this over and over and over and over again, because it's not enough to just live off a one-time experience, right? It's got to be a continual renewing of mind to continual um chewing on this where it becomes culture in you rather than like a one-time thought or a one-time breakthrough experience that you had
0: and so what what i'm hearing though too there ryan is that you did go through a dark, a dark time after a failure or or not meeting the suit the goal that you you had you you did so you are human You're not, you're you're not, you're not a person that doesn't get down or bummed out by a circumstance, but you still manage to proceed, you know, to go forward. I mean, because in business, I mean, I think business is a lot like professional or athletics in a way that you're, most of the time you're failing, it feels like. Uh, And then you every once in a while get a big breakthrough and you live off of that for a little bit, but there's discouraging times. But I, I mean, your ability to recover from discouragement and coach athletes through it too, um, I think is so relevant for so many of us. And I'll put myself there. I get discouraged when something doesn't happen right. I mean, I just I just go into self doubt. I, I, I'm, I'm bummed out. I maybe I get a little depressed, um, and. And I've noticed that a lot of these athletes have these ability to, to kind of almost convert their brains or their minds and their thinking to readjust to get back on task. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're right in the center of that and have been that way. What was it like after the, the London Games? How did, how did you manage through that discouragement? Give us a little bit of color on, on that and, and the process you went through there uh, leading up to it. then afterwards
1: yeah yeah so going into london um again i had high expectations going into it but things hadn't been clicking well at all i'd been having a lot of injury issues plantar fasciitis leading up to that in the bottom of my foot um so lots of issues going into that one and that ended up being the uh first race i ever dropped out of my entire life you know i'd been running for 30 years at that point not 30 years i was 30 years old i'd been running for like a good like 18 years or so never dropped out of a race you know and uh that that day though i was i was out there running and my hamstring was getting super tight and i was starting to limp and it was clear that like i was just gonna be causing damage to my body you know and so i felt like um god was just encouraging me like it's okay like sometimes you got to choose your battles you know and if you got to sometimes lose some battles so that you can win battles down the road, then that's what you have to do, you know? Um, You don't got to drill yourself into the ground. You don't got to kill yourself and die on this hill when there's other battles to be fought further down the line, you know? And uh, after that one, yeah, same deal. Like, it it was definitely hard post, you know, that was a very surreal moment. The first time I stepped off a course and then have that be in the Olympics and you got to talk to media about it and all this stuff. And you're so bummed out. And yet you're trying to present yourself in like a professional manner as well. And someone's sticking a mic in your face. Like those are very difficult times as an athlete, you know, because it's like, yeah, you have millions of people watching you at that moment. How are you going to react to this? And yet, like, and you're going through it right now and you're processing and you haven't had time to process. And all of a sudden, how are you feeling after this? And in your head, you're like, how do you think I would be feeling? (laughs) Like, how would you be feeling if that just happened to you? You know? Like, but it's it's one of those deals where it's like you don't do what you feel like doing in that situation, you know. Like you just try to be graceful and humble and um accept ex- accept your defeat with grace and humility, you know. Um, but yeah, that was a super tough time. But something that's been helpful for me, even like still to this day, because I still. You know, even though I retired from pro running, I love like experimenting with my training, gotten into weightlifting in the gym and stuff like that. But there's a lot of failure in that too. You know, I go through like right now, I'm going through a period where I haven't been seeing any gains. I've actually been getting like worse, even though I've been just as diligent in the weight rooms as I've always been. And I'm trying to figure it out. Um, But something that's been helpful for me is to see it as like an experiment. You know, what's interesting about science is that it seems a good thing in science to fail. So you're like, okay, I tried this. I isolated this from people. It didn't work. But that's because you don't take it personal. You're doing like a science experiment. So like because something didn't work in that scenario, doesn't reflect anything on you. So you can be fine. Be like, okay, let's try, let's try this now. And then let's try this. And you can be very like unattached emotionally to that. But when you're doing something that you are emotionally attached to, Then you, I tend to take my, my failures really personally, you know, like, because I fail, like I'm a, I'm weak or not strong, or I don't have what it takes. Start all those thoughts start to come through when really it's like, I'm doing science experiments. That's what I'm doing as an athlete. You know, you're trying one method of training and then changing the variable, changing how you train, but then it's not just the training. It's like the sleep, the nutrition, the injuries, like all this other stuff is playing into it um but i i find that my reaction to my own failures is much better and i'm like i'm just looking at this like as a scientist would look at an experiment like something wasn't right here something arise, something went wrong like let me look at it objectively from above and not have the emotional ties to the failure let me just look at it as a science experiment. And that that's been super helpful for me and for my athletes as well, so that we don't freak out when the data is not what we want it to be. You know, when you're running a a little bit slower than you thought you should be running or race doesn't go according to how you thought it'd go. It's like, okay, like, let me not like take it personally. This doesn't mean I don't have what it takes. It just means like we need to tweak some variables here and what, what adjustments do we need to make? and that that's, yeah, been super, super helpful for me in dealing with disappointments and failures.
0: I love that, Ryan, because, I mean, um, I've often said uh, the only thing we really can choose to own is the decision to try or to do something. But the results, either good or bad, are really not ours to claim in a, in, in a way because there's all sorts of other circumstances that kind of play or that you couldn't have con- controlled. And so, and also there's an ego associated with assuming that you kind of determine the outcome too, good or bad, either way. And so it's very humbling to look at it from this perspective of, okay, I'm running a science experiment and I'm going to take myself out of this but I'm going to try to do everything I can the right way and that I know how at the moment and make those decisions, but not, don't own the results. Um, yeah. I love that, Ryan. That's awesome,
1: yeah, man. <laughs> taking the ego out of sport or anything I'm doing really like is so... and you get to enjoy it so much more when your whole like sense of self isn't wrapped up in this thing anymore becomes you know you know people talk about like like i'm not a a christian or i'm not a christian athlete i'm a athlete who happens to be a christian you know where it's like okay like my whole identity isn't wrapped around this thing anymore and when you get to that point point. It, it just makes it really fun because then if you fail you're just like oh that's interesting like let me be curious about that why did that happen you can really like think about it objectively and then learn from it and grow from it because really like failure is it's the most helpful thing that you can go through like it's people you know it's cliche but jake's this true it's like when you fail you learn way more than your successes absolutely that is true But at the same time, no one likes to value their failures as much as their successes or talk about their failures as much as their successes. But really, like, you know, all of my big successes have been built off a whole bunch of failures, you know, like that that is the journey to becoming the best version of yourself or doing doing well in business like you got to just fail as much as possible you know that is the key yeah,
0: yeah. I've, I've thought about it. i kind of had wished it's not blaming not blaming my folks but i wish they would have said to me look you are going to fail so much in life like it's just going to be a failure after failure after fa- get comfortable with it learn to get comfortable with it and a lot of not g- getting comfortable with it is not making it personal and not letting your ego be associated with that outcome um and and i think the celebration of failure is is uh you know i, I feel like there should be a award for some of the greatest failures in life if those you know books aren't written about folks like that you know did you have any did you have any um individuals in the athletic world that just inspired the heck out of you and not just so much from a standpoint of their performance but who they were as people were there certain yeah, people um, that come to mind
1: yeah so like like for example, how I learned, or why I learned that I shouldn't take my failures personally, was from being around other African runners. Um, you know, like Kenyans, Ethiopians—they they're the most dominant in in our sport of distance running. You know, they just crush everyone, and um, they're they're amazing. And so that makes you curious, like why are these people so good? And there's a whole bunch of reasons why they're so good. But one of the things I observed. Was I was like, after, after we finish a marathon, say Boston, New York, whichever it is, we all go into this room. It's the recovery room. Right. And people are getting massage and, and everyone's talking about the race and how it went, it's like, I'd be in this recovery room and I'll look around the room and if I'm looking at like the Westerners, I can tell exactly how their race went just based on their facial expression. Right. And then you look at the African guys, they're all like sitting around having tea, like laughing, having a good time. You can't tell who ran well and who ran bad. It's like, they do not take their failures personally. Like, and, and, and that frees them up. Like if you watch how they run, it's like all of them just go to the front and just hang on as long as they can. And like three or four guys make it to the finish line and run really well. And then almost everyone else blows up and runs terrible. Like that's just kind of like their mentality. But you can only do that if you're able to blow up and have a terrible day and not have it discourage you. But they're able to not be discouraged because they didn't take it personally. They're just like, yeah, like, uh, didn't feel good today. I went for it, didn't feel, you know, I'll be back out training tomorrow. You know, like, just, it didn't, you could tell it just did not, it didn't do anything to their self-belief in themselves. And I think that's really the difference between like that African mentality and then the Western mentality, which I have of being like, oh, I failed. Therefore, I'm a failure, you know, and I took it really personally It's really hard to take down in the dumps for weeks, maybe months. Whereas they're just like, no, like it just means like you tried and it didn't work. Just go, go try again. Keep trying. Like, just keep getting back up. Um. So, like, that's, you know, that led to me going and training over in Kenya, training in Ethiopia. Eventually, my wife and I, we ended up adopting four Ethiopian girls. Um, So I just I love, like, the African mentality, um, how they think, how they go about life. Like, I feel like I have a lot that I can learn from them and glean from them. Um, Even like going over to Zambia and like we've done some work, Sarah and I had done some work with World Vision. That was like one of the things that helped me get over my post-2008 Olympics in Beijing, going through that tough period after the race. That helped me like go through that because here I am in Zambia. You know, I'm all worried because I only got tense in the world and so down in the dumps. And like these people don't even have shoes or running water. And I'm like all obsessed about the Olympics. Like and they had no idea about the Olympics, they didn't even know what the Olympics was, you know. So, that's also something that's helpful. I mean, yeah, you didn't stop there, so you don't get it, you don't get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, I know you don't have shoes, but but I just lost the Olympics. I mean, I mean, talk about a yeah. sobering reality. I, I think that,
1: uh, I, mean, yeah, me, I mean, to me, I
0: mean, you're you
1: know, so happy, so happy, yeah. And that's why, you know, we went there trying to help them and bring them clean water and boreholes, which we did, which was really cool. But what I came away from, I was like, man, like they do community so well, um, relying on each other, hanging out with each other. It's like you go to these villages, these rural villages, and like, it's like one big family at these villages. And the people are so happy. I was like, man, like they're doing some stuff really right. You know, like we... As Westerners, have a lot that we could learn from them, you know. Like it's almost kind of like jealous of their culture a little bit, being like, "Man, I wish it, I wish that I would have grew up in this hut." Like I feel like, you know, they're they're doing so much right when it comes to relationships and happiness and stuff. And then obviously, you want to help them with like health issues and things like that. But um, yeah, it was a real eye opening experience for me to go over there and be a part of. A culture that's so different than what I was used to. And help me, again, help me just get outside my own suffering and outside of the, my own narrow mindedness. You know, in my mind, it was just performance and got to run well at the Olympics. And it was about this huge goal for four years or even longer. I started running, you know? So it just kind of took my blinders off a little bit, being like, you know what? Like, there's things more important than the Olympics and more important than me getting on the podium at the olympics so it was a really cool experience
0: and you brought a little home a little bit of africa or a lot of africa home with you with your girls <laughs> right
1: yeah we we love our girls man they're they're amazing kids um so our oldest now hana she's a junior in college she came over when she was 15 so we're so proud of her for you know even getting through high school let alone now she's in college uh mia going to college next year she's um she's also a runner hana's a runner to our oldest um Mia's going to go on scholarship to nc state which is pretty exciting they have like the best the best program country right now um and then our youngest two we're just enjoying uh ninth grade and sixth grade right now but yeah they've been they've been in the u.s now almost seven years which is crazy it's time has gone by super quick
0: yeah you guys you guys were from having no kids to having a lot of kids and you did such a great job with them. I mean, they're, they're incredible girls. Um, you went on to, um, to transition into bodybuilding, which I, I love I mean, when you and I used to get together. I, I used to see the glow in your eye, how much you enjoyed lifting. It was yes. like this, this new, you just, you come to me just love it. You had a great workout and just lifted for another hour. It was awesome. Um, tell me about that transition and, and tell me about how, how it's different than say professional running and yeah, your state of mind today versus say back then.
1: Yeah. You know, I, to be honest with you, Dan, I've always, I was always worried about what I do when I retired from pro running. Um, you know, it had been since the time I was 13 years old until I was 33, it had been my all consuming passion. You know, it's like, yeah, I cared about other things in life. It wasn't like I was, you know, completely self-absorbed but i was very driven by this goal to see what i could do you know see what my body's capable of so i was like when i stop doing this i don't know how i'll be able to handle it mentally if i'm going to be okay anymore um so you know i was surprised when the time came and i did retire um did it went as smoothly as it did and i think a lot of that was because i took some time to realize okay like what is it about running they really tr- like, why do I love it so much? Like, what is it about it? And I realized what it is. It's like, I love to see what my body's capable of doing. I love to train and see the adaptation take place. You know, when I first start training for a marathon, I can hardly run one mile at the pace I'm in. to race 26 miles at six months later. Right. But through six months of training, it's like that pace gets easier and easier. I can go further and further. And then pretty soon you know, I can run a whole marathon at 445 pace, you know? Um, so I, I love that part of athletics. Like I love um, the experiment of it too, you know? It's like, let's try out this little tweak in training and see what happens, you know? And I love just doing that. So it's like, how do I s- still do these things, but through a different mechanism? Because running was just fatiguing my body. The reason why I retired is I was just, super super fatigued i couldn't even go run like 30 minutes anymore that's because running is a very catabolic activity yeah yeah running is so so catabolic um especially at the level i'm doing it at right you gotta remember like i'm running like 15 to 20 miles a day the intensity levels are high so i'm taking this to the very extreme like i think there's a way to do running at a much lower level that is very healthy. So I don't want people to think, oh, I shouldn't run; it's not a healthy. Think it's just at the level I was doing it at and had to do it at to try to be one of the best guys in the world it wasn't a super healthy, sustainable lifestyle. Right at some point, your body's going to stop improving; it's going to start giving out; it's going to start getting worse. And so that's what was happening to me from the London Olympics 2012 up until I retired. So four year period, I was just getting worse and worse and so fatigued. Like I remember going out on some trails in ready. And I called them the walk of shame runs because I would jog out 15 minutes. And I just felt like I was just like melting into the earth. Felt so terrible. Like I could hardly lift my legs up. And then I just walked back because I couldn't even run back. And I didn't know. I don't know what's going on. You're getting blood tests done. I'm manipulating my training. I'm changing my nutrition. I'm talking to people. I'm trying to get this stuff figured out. And nothing is working. It's just clear that my body has just told me like, uh, it's told me I've given you everything I can give you, and it, you're gonna it's time for you to get back to me now. So that's what I decided to do with the lifting. It's like, okay, I need to get back to my body. I need to start being good to myself. So that's what I did. Like first day of retirement, went straight into the weight room, started lifting. And I loved it because it it allowed me to meet that need that I have to push myself physically every day and also to like see growth and adaptation and to experiment with training. So it was just like the perfect fit for me and, uh, and a way for me to get back to my body as well. And now, like, I feel so much better now and I can go out for runs now and I'm fine. I don't have to do the walk of shame anymore, although sometimes I still do just for old time's sake. But, uh, I, yeah, it's allowed me to just stay true to who I am. So I like to just encourage people, like, if you're going through any kind of transition, I think it's important to, like, know yourself and what makes you excited for life. And find, find ways to meet those needs that you have. And, like, those are very real needs, you know? Like, the need that I have to to push myself is is something that I need to pay attention to. If I'm able to live and be ha- happy and healthy and be in a good mental place, I got to be able to meet that need. And if it's not through running, then it could be through lifting or it could be through going up a mountain or carrying water jugs up the Grand Canyon, whatever it is, like, there's... You're only limited by your own creativity, you know, but you can always like find a way to stay true to who you are and keep doing what you're doing just through a different, different mechanism.
0: But the difference here is that you didn't have to have a, you're not training for a specific race you have to show up for and race in front of people and go do it. I mean, you're showing up, you're getting out of bed, you're going, you don't have to do anything else, you know, and, and you're going and you're working out every day. Do you never have days where you just like, ah, oh, just, nah, nah. Do you ever have days like that? Or is it so oh, intrinsic yeah. in you that you just it's it's just it's it's just part of your day and you love it. You found something that you love so much that you almost can't do it.
1: Can't not do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Dan. I mean, I think I think motivation is uh really overvalued and commitment is really undervalued. Um to mm-hmm. me it's not about like if I was just going off motivation, you're right, Dan. Like I'd probably be in the weight room not very often, you know, because like I don't always feel like going out there. But my commitment to my craft is great and it overrides my emotion. And that's really what you need. If you're going to be consistent in anything, co- it's got to be based on commitment, not on motivation, because motivation is going to go up and down. Commitment is what's going to drive you to keep putting yourself out there every single day. So I try to tell my kids that as much as I can. I'm like, listen, like feelings are going to come and go, you know, and like some days they're going to be there, some days they're not. And there's nothing wrong with feelings, you know, like feelings can be highly helpful and motivation can be super helpful. And you want to learn how to tap into that, but you don't want to be living off that. You don't want your life to be based off that. It's got, you got to find something and commit to it. And then when you're consistent over a long period of time, that's when amazing things happen. You know, I didn't break an hour and the half marathon until I'd been training for 10 plus years consistently almost every single day and training at a high level. You know, that's, that's what it takes. You know, like it's very easy to, even myself included, to be looking for these magic bullets, you know, just start doing this one thing. And you're taking this one supplement, and then you're going to s- become Superman. But really, like for me, all I found to be true, it's just about commitment and consistency over a long period of time, and that's when great things happen.
0: Oh man, I love that. That was that was that was a gem. Thank you for that. That really spoke to me. Um, <clears throat> do you think character matters in, in athletes? Think it oh, plays yeah. a role. It's
1: everything. Welcome. One thing that's kind of cool about characters, um, like one of the best marathoners, well, the, the best marathoner in history is uh, Kipchoge. He's a Kenyan guy, Iliad Kipchoge. And she yeah. uh, has the, he, he gets paid millions just to show up for one race, right? And this guy, he lives like in a training camp and shares a room, like a tiny little room with one of his training partners right? Like that's how he chooses to live because like, and he has like some of the greatest character. And so like, I, I love it when there's examples of that, you know, in front of us where it's like, right. man, like that, that's what I want. That's what I want my athletes to want to, to have that kind of like, yeah, character where like, they're like, it's not about the dollar bills. It's not about the money. It's about me and my craft doing it with other people doing it in the right way and uh and not getting not getting not losing that you know like it's so easy to have that when you're starting out that purity of your craft you know right but very easy to lose that when millions of dollars are flowing your way this guy like he could make so much money if he wanted to but he only races like twice a year just marathons but he could be collecting like half million dollar paychecks he could show up every weekend collecting these paychecks if he wanted to, but like he is into his craft and he's going to do it right. He's you committed.
0: Know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I love that. So, um, you know, that's a great example. I think of how character as someone who's doing it right, you know, and, and the results are paying off and he's running, he has the world record in the marathon. He's the first human to break two hours in the marathon. He's just a great example to to people in our sport you know um but absolutely like character in sports and athletics it's it's a it can be a confusing thing because you see guys doing well who are motivated by um less admirable things you know like they're afraid to fail or um they're trying to impress people or they want to be rich and there are successful athletes who have that mentality But for me, like, I'm always trying to figure out how to how do I get the most out of this experience, you know, and whenever I'm motivated by fear or by money or by fame or any of these things, it just it's not very much fun. Like, I don't enjoy competing or training that kind of heart. So for me, it's like, even if character didn't make me faster, I still I'd rather like like train with as someone with character um, than someone who doesn't have it just because it's more fulfilling to do it that way you know like what is can I be motivated by love more than I can be motivated by fear I was like that was the reason why we adopted our girls like I could think of a million fearful reasons why we shouldn't adopt our girls you know but if I'm motivated by love, that's all I need really like if you have if you have love in your heart for someone, then it's like you can you can figure out all those other things that are, you're fearful of, you know, like love trumps fear. And so like for me, like in my sport, how do I go about doing that? How do I compete out of a heart of love rather than a heart of like comparing myself to other people and trying to beat other people like our, the culture of athletics can be really toxic and not very much fun, you know, and it can drive people away from sports. But it doesn't have to be that way. And again, like one of the things I picked up from the Kenyan athletes, they have this saying, and I wish I could remember it. Um, but it basically what the, it says is like, we're all in this together. And that's something they would remind themselves of when they're out there racing. They'd say it to each other, like we're all in this together. And I, I feel like you can perform better with that kind of mentality rather than being like, I'm going to crush everyone in this race. I'm going to drop you at mile six or whatever it is, you know? Like having that weird. that heart love i mean I, i'm sure a lot of people have done that uh, experiment where you put your arm out someone pushes it down you think about someone you hate or something you hate and they push down you see how strong you are and then and then you do it again only this time you think about someone you love a lot and you're way stronger like i i believe that god designed our body in such a way where we can perform at our best when we are driven by love and that's very, it can be a difficult thing to do in athletics, but it's something that I've tried to strive to do in my career, and I, I continue to try to do that, and encourage my athletes to do that as well, just because I believe they'll perform better and they'll enjoy it more too that way. So, I think uh, you know that's I guess an aspect of character, but um, something to think about with character is just like it's a more fun way to live. You're gonna enjoy your life more, you know. Or at least I enjoy sports more when I'm doing it in the right way compared to the wrong way.
0: Yeah, and I think that's universal in the way we live our life professionally in every context, whether it be sports or business or medicine, whatever it may be. Ryan Hall, thank you so much for giving your time, thoughts and heart to this conversation. It was amazing. I really appreciate you and who you are. I value your friendship tremendously. And uh look forward to going on further adventures together. Thank you so much for, for being with us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dan. I'm just uh, stoked about what you guys are doing and stoked that uh, I get to be a part of it in any way.
0: All right, boss. Thank you so much, Ryan.